What's up, y'all? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. Today, we've got a couple of Monday mailbag questions, and then we're going to touch on all the sports. We've got the NBA Finals, Week 4 in the NFL, college football, and the second round of the Major League Baseball playoffs. Episode 20 coming at you right now. Hello friends, family, sports nerds, trolls, and everything in between. Welcome back to the Shoot Your Shot Sports <laughs> Podcast. I'm Preston Pangburn along with my big bro and co-host Landon Pangburn. We are recording this episode on Sunday, October 4th. It's been a pretty crazy NFL Sunday so far. We're two days away from the divisional series starting in Major League Baseball, and we've got Game 3 of the NBA Finals in a couple hours later tonight. Lando, how you doing, guy? I'm doing great, man. Big things popping in the sports world, but also just in personal lives. I want to go ahead and wish you an early happy anniversary. Tomorrow, when this episode comes out, it will be you and Tori's second anniversary, so that's legit. Also, I was had in a wedding this weekend, so just big things going on all around. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the uh, well wishes to Tori and I, and I know that you are relieved to be done with your um, wedding officiating career, so congrats on that as well. Yes, I am. Two and done on the wedding officiating, one and done in the marathons. I'm, I'm retiring from one thing at a time. Work is next as soon as we start making slightly more money on this podcast. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to ask you to officiate any more weddings again in the future, obviously, but I, I'm going to need you to do another marathon because going to Chicago and following you around was pretty fun. So what you're going to need to do that for the fam, but we'll cross that bridge later. Yeah, you didn't reach the 26.2 beers that you attempted last time, so you can need another shot at that one. Yeah, I'm going to need some better drinking buddies next time, but we'll figure that out. But anyway, uh, this will be a Monday episode, so let's start with our Monday mailbag. You ready for the first one? Let's get it. So first question came from Riley Egan on Instagram. Riley asked, who has the best wings in Atlanta? That's a really, really tough question because I feel like it's not super easy to distinguish like there's there's certain types of foods that like one restaurant will be significantly better than others. Wings, it's just like subtle nuances, you know. So I'm gonna go ahead and throw two out there. One is one that I feel like a lot of people would say, and one is a kind of more under the radar one. So the under the radar one, Wings 101. There's like I don't know eight or ten of them in Atlanta. There's not a ton of them, but those are really really good. I'm a straight up hot wings guy, and they've got good wings. And then also I feel like this is kind of a cliche one. And part of it's just the nostalgia of it, but I gotta love Taco Mac, man. I was wondering if you're gonna say that yeah. the old Milton Taco Mac, like that was childhood. Exactly, that's what we did. We snuck out at 1 a.m. We'd walk up there in the middle of the night when we were like 13 years old. We'd go there after every Friday night high school football game. We would go there after every one of our basketball games, including like AAU in the summer. Like that's just the spot. Unfortunately, Taco Mac does not have great service, even though they do have great wings, which kind of makes it embarrassing for me and brings them a little bit lower on the list because despite how awful their service typically is, I got fired from there after working for three (laughs) three weeks. I forgot they fired you because they're pretty strict on their ID policy and you forgot to ID like a 50-year-old dude. Yeah, it was a 50-something-year-old couple that came in and they ordered beers and I forgot to ID them and I got canned. (laughs) That's really funny. I totally forgot about that. Wow, you got fired from Taco Mac. 
Taco Mac. Yeah, That's great. How far brutal. you've come. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I've gotten fun. better from there. <laughs> yeah, Taco Mac, I mean, it holds a pretty special place in my heart. It's funny to think that we used to sneak out of the house to just go eat wings. How, <laughs> yes. how rebellious is that? A couple <laughs> nerds. But anyway, to answer the question, Taco Mac's up there. I'm going to go with JR Crickets. Okay. I don't know if you've ever had the Cricks, but it's just special stuff. It's been around since 1982. It, in an Atlanta institution, I think they were the ones who invented the lemon pepper wet which oh, is yeah? like the combo between hot and lemon pepper okay it's just really special stuff so we're gonna need to get it sometime so they invented it and then magic city perfected it and that's why sweet lou goes there i guess so okay yeah everyone loves the lp dub but anyway riley thank you for the question a lot of good wings in atlanta taco mac wings 101 jr crickets all up there for sure all right second question now this is from michael theobald he wants to know who do you think is the most surprising and most disappointing NFL team so far this season? So what you got? So I was looking at this question, kind of looking at the standings, what teams have done so far this year, and the list goes on pretty long for teams that have disappointed so mm-hmm. far, but there aren't a ton of you know pleasant surprises, I wouldn't say. I mean, the one I think that I'm going to go with here is the Chicago Bears just coming into the season. You know, they didn't have a great year last year. Shaky quarterback situation between Mitchell Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles finally made the switch to Nick Foles as of today, and they're sitting at three and zero. I mean, it's the most important position in sports at quarterback, and being three and zero despite not knowing what's going on at quarterback impressive yeah it's pretty good they're getting smoked right now by your boy noodle arm phil and the colts so they're gonna be three and one but still a pretty good start for the uh, chicago bears i'm gonna go with the new england patriots i just think that coming into the season i expected them to be decent i think i predicted them to go eight and eight we were talking about them having kind of a down year and a down year for the patriots is eight and eight versus four and twelve like most teams but i feel like after watching them through the first few weeks of the season they're better than I thought they would be. And I feel like most people are now starting to slowly come around to the fact that they could be a legit contender. They've completely changed what that offense looks like going from Tom Brady to Cam Newton, and they've made it fit Cam Newton's style, which is pretty impressive to do that in, a, in an offseason like the one that we had. Defense is still really good like before. Can have to see what happens in the next week or two without Cam Newton in the game. It's going to be kind of an interesting thing to watch them trying to go from his style back to, I guess, Jared Stidham's going to start. So um, I'm going to go with Patriots, but going to be an interesting few weeks for them. Yeah, it is. And I don't know if they're going with Stidham or, or starting Brand, or Brian Hoyer against yeah, the, the Chiefs on Monday night. But yeah, the, the Patriots look good when Cam comes back from his stint with Rona. I mean, they'll be probably two and two after losing to the Chiefs. So they look pretty good. The Bills are atop that division. So I'm looking forward to those Patriots versus Bills showdowns that might determine the East. But yeah, Patriots look solid. Yeah. Then my most disappointing team, it's pretty clear. The heavy, heavy preseason NFC North favorite Detroit Lions fall to one and three today like pretty tough to watch the lions go down i can't believe you didn't laugh at that <laughs> the lions are one and three they're tearing my heart apart i thought i thought they had it this year they're one and three and they had double digit leads in all three of their losses including today they went up 14 nothing and then gave up 35 unanswered so that's pretty tough so that's one of them and then the other one that i thought initially was the houston texans until I realized the teams that they've played so far, which is like the Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers, and Vikings, I think. Like, that's pretty tough. Yeah, the Texans have to be up there for me. That's a that's a pretty nightmarish schedule, so I can't fault them for being 0-4, especially with the 
the stuff they've taken back offensively after letting DeAndre Hopkins go for seemingly no reason. But anyway, as I was thinking about the most disappointing in the le- teams in the league so far, there are a few up there. But on a personal note, I'm just going to have to tie break it with my team, the Cowboys, right? I mean, it doesn't get much more disappointing than the start that they've had. They're one in three in the post Jason Garrett era with Mike McCarthy at head coach. And they're one crazy onside kick away from being 0-4. Like this should be an 0-4 team. They have a really good offense and just a historically bad defense who cannot stop a nosebleed. They gave up, I think, 23 first downs, 330-something yards, and 31 points to the Browns today in the first half. Like, what the hell are they doing? Yeah, their defense is really, really not good. They would have been probably average to slightly below average before injuries, losing your top two corners, your best linebacker, and one of your best offseason signings and defensive lineman and Gerald McCoy just is not a good combination. They suck. They do suck. And like the guys that they still have out there, especially at middle linebacker, he had a really good rookie season, Jalen Smith, and then he has just regressed hard. Like he looks terrible. Their corners are just completely decimated. It is just a bad defense. So most disappointing. I mean, I have to go with the Cowboys. All right, fair enough. And then I also have a couple of quick Monday mailbag questions for you. You ready here? Oh boy. Are these like trivia? No, these are just personal opinion questions. Okay. Okay. But they are sports related. So they're all about career stats in different sports. So we're going to start with the NFL. Coming into today, the two all-time passing leaders in NFL history were Drew Brees with just over 78,000 yards and Tom Brady with just over 75,000. Who finishes with the most yards? Tom Brady with 75 and Drew Brees with 78? Currently, yep. So, I mean, these guys throw for over 3,000 a season. So I guess Tom Brady would just have to outlast Drew Brees by one more year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Brady there. You are? Okay. Yeah, because I think that the story that came out a couple weeks ago was that Tom Brady took a little bit longer than people expected to sign this past offseason because he was waiting to see if Drew Brees would retire because um, he was going to go to New Orleans if he did. So I think that this is Brees' last year. And then I think well, Brady's got at least one or two more seasons in him despite being, what, 49? Yeah, <laughs> he's pretty old. Yeah, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be kind of cool to see how much they actually care about that individual stat. So I don't really know. But yeah, going to be down to the wire depending on who retires first. Yeah, who you take in there. I'm going to probably go with Breeze because I think Brady's pretty close to being done too. But either way, I don't know. All right, let's see. All right, second one is that currently Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the all-time NBA leading scorer with 38,387 points. You got Carl Malone in second, and then LeBron is third with 34,231. So basically 4,100 points or so separating Kareem from LeBron. By the time LeBron is done, who's the all-time leading scorer? Oh, I've I've thought for years LeBron's going to break this record. I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, it's like that is a record people thought would never be broken, but LeBron is going to do it. What, 2,000 points a year is very achievable, right? So he's going he's gonna to be, given his age and the fact that he's going to sit out some games, he's going to be less than 2,000, but he's going to score in the between the 1,500 to 1,800-ish range a year, depending on health and everything. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that LeBron breaks it. I think LeBron will get into the low 40,000s. It's kind of weird to think about. The one reason I'm skeptical is because in basketball with guys who've played for this long and have this much mileage, I feel like they go from unhealthy or sorry, from healthy to unhealthy, like in a hurry. It's not necessarily a slow, gradual thing. I think about Kobe. Kobe was kind of an Ironman 
always played, was healthy, and then all of a sudden it was like torn rotator cuff, torn Achilles, he was done. Yeah, it just depends on what it is. Like if it's the Achilles when you're getting older, like yeah, that's bad. It gets all that more hard to come back from. So we'll see. I mean, hopefully he just you know he's been an iron man his entire mm-hmm. career hopefully he just doesn't have any injuries and then one that you're not going to like because of the sport that it is but tennis there's such a cool battle in tennis right now for all-time men's grand slams so the current leaders are federer with 20 nadal with 19 and Djokovic with 17 who ends up with the most there Ooh, that's a tough one how much younger is Djokovic than these guys do you know it's like a few years at least so federer is 39 nadal is 34 and Djokovic is 33 Wow. Okay. So only a one-year gap between Nadal and Djokovic. I'm going to go with the Joker. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Joker too. It's kind of funny because Nadal kind of gets one a year automatically because he always wins the French. I think he's won 10 Frenches right now. He's he's <laughs> cruising through the French and Federer's not even in it. So I think Nadal has a pretty good shot, but I'm going to go with Joker too, just because I feel like Nadal has been more injury prone for longer and Djokovic being 33 and only three behind. I think he's going to end up overtaking Federer and Nadal and being the all-time Grand Slam leader. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I always think that the uh, the fact that Nadal is just unbeatable on clay is so cool. I don't know why, but that's just it's a crazy so advantage weird. to have. I just try to imagine playing other sports in different surfaces. I think uh, our boy Sam was trying to talk about this with UFC not too long ago. Like, have some in an octagon, have some on the beach in the sand, have some in like shallow water. Just <laughs> yeah. have fights. Any other sport that was like competed on on different surfaces would seem so ridiculous, but that's what they do. I don't know why. Yeah, let's figure out if like Johnny Bones Jones can fight on sand. <laughs> exactly. Who knows? <laughs> All right, let's move on now. Where do we go? NBA Finals first? Let's do it. So the Lakers are up 2-0. Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic for the Heat. After getting injured in Game 1, they missed Game 2 and are now doubtful for tonight's Game 3. Series turning into a little bit of a bloodbath. Yeah, in the last few minutes when you were on the phone being a businessman, they actually ruled them out for Game 3. So those two guys are both out for Game 3. So yeah, it's kind of weird as a lifetime LeBron fan for me feeling like LeBron's a heavy favorite in the finals. That actually, weirdly enough, despite how many finals he's played in, hasn't happened. I feel like the only time LeBron has ever been a huge favorite in the finals in his 10 appearances was against the Mavs in 2011 when they lost. I feel like every other time he's made it, it's either been a pretty dead heat or he's been at times a serious underdog. And I just think about like those ones he went to back in the day, the first time with the Cavs when he was dragging like yeah. Sasha Pavlovich and Drew Gooden and Zdrunas Ogalskis. Booby Gibson. Yes, and Booby Gibson <laughs> to the finals and just getting smoked by the Spurs, yet people hate on him for losing in the finals. Like that's kind of what I feel like every time going into the finals with LeBron. It's weird just feeling like they're going to win. Yeah, they're they're absolutely going to win. I think the question here is, is it going to be a sweep at this point? And I saw a couple of jokes that were funny on Twitter from this past week. One was that when we get to game four and it's clear that the Lakers are about to sweep, they might just pull everyone off the floor and have LeBron play Anthony Davis one-on-one for MVP. Because <laughs> you're going to see them both kind of start jockeying for that a little bit. Like that's what's going to become the main storyline because it's just not really a competitive series. And then the second joke that I saw that I thought was pretty funny was Mark Titus, you know who he is Mm -mm. he's just kind of a basketball presence out there but he tweeted that um the heat started three american-born white guys in game two while the lakers started three former number one overall picks wow that's basically the only thing you need to know about this series exactly how big of a mismatch this has become by the way have you heard that duncan robinson is just the white version of tyler hero 
<laughs> no, I haven't, but that's fantastic. <laughs> Dwayne, Dwayne Wade last game uh, tweeted out that Tyler Hero has to have a black best friend. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Clearly. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned the MVP battle between Anthony Davis and LeBron. Right now, Anthony Davis is averaging 33 points and 11.5 rebounds per game on 63% shooting through the first two games. LeBron is averaging 29, 11, and 9. So just pretty incredible performances in both of the first two games by both of those guys. The funny thing to me is that it's kind of people seem to be inconsistent on how much they care about finals MVPs, don't they? Right? Yeah, a little bit. Like Kobe is the most obvious example. Everyone always talks about when they talk about Kobe versus LeBron that Kobe has five rings and LeBron has three or whatever. Everyone loves to forget the fact that Kobe, I'm sorry, was clearly the second best player on his team for three of them. Shaq was averaging like 38 and 16 for the first three, won all three finals MVPs, and it wasn't even close. I think in the Kobe's first ring, he averaged 15 points a game in the finals. He wasn't doing anything. Shaq was dominating. So people tend to forget that, but when it comes to LeBron, he gets hyper-criticized, and so everyone's going to freak out if Anthony Davis gets the MVP over him. Yeah, and I, I think it's funny because with the whole pandemic, the whole bubble in Orlando for these playoffs, people were talking about whether or not there would be an asterisk on this ring. And I think I was saying before the playoffs that the only way that the general consensus is that there's an asterisk on this ring is that the Lakers win it. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. If LeBron wins his fourth, people are going to slap the asterisk on there, but no one would care if anyone else won it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's just how LeBron's entire life has been. He's just, everyone loves to hate on him for kind of no reason. Yeah, but that'll happen. I mean, um, but my two takeaways from the way that this series has turned and the way that the season will end is that there was just probably never a team in the East this year that was good enough to compete with the Lakers and Clippers, right? Like the Bucks, as good as they were during the regular season this year and last year, they just don't have a second guy. Like Chris Middleton just didn't play well down the stretch. Giannis can't do enough by himself, especially with the perimeter shooting. And then the other contenders in the East, you look at the Heat and Celtics, and it feels like they're both just kind of missing that one piece that'll put them over the top. So I just don't know if any of them were ever going to compete with the Lakers or the Clippers this year. And then I mentioned the Clips. That was the kind of collision course that everyone wanted, that all LA Western Conference Finals, and the Nuggets got hot and kind of deprived us of that. So that was my one kind of takeaway from the series is that I don't know if the East was ever going to compete in the finals. And then number two, we might've just taken the Lakers for granted all year. Like LeBron in year 17 was playing at an MVP level. Anthony Davis, you know, no disrespect to Dwayne Wade, but is probably the best teammate LeBron has ever had. So they're just a really good team. And then the supporting cast, like even though they're a little bit past their primes, Rajon Rondo and Dwight Howard, aren't they hall of famers? They're both really good players. Yeah, to respond to your two different points, one, I I don't think I agree with the first one. I think a fully healthy Heat team could have competed better with the Lakers. Just because they lost game one doesn't necessarily mean that they wouldn't have competed better with the series. I picked the Heat in six, and I feel like if they had stayed healthy, they had a, they had a decent shot at competing with them for a few games and maybe beating them. And then the Bucks, it's this is one of those weird things about this season, is you never know what would have happened had the season gone on as planned. They were really hot, playing really well prior to the restart, prior to COVID shutting everything down. It's one of those things you will never know, and so I don't think it's worth really necessarily talking about all those hypotheticals because we will never know but we'll, we'll just have to kind of like scratch that off and, and roll with it um, but the second part is I thought it was interesting that the other day that someone tweeted it was Kendrick Perkins mentioned that he thinks with all due respect to Dwayne Wade that Anthony Davis was the best compliment to LeBron ever and I feel like career-wise for sure especially because Anthony Davis still has a long way to go Dwayne Wade 
has had a better career than Anthony Davis to this point. But as far as skill sets are concerned, Anthony Davis is a perfect complement to LeBron. A big guy who can stretch vertically, but also stretch perimeter wise. Like he can shoot threes and shoot, you know, those 18 footers very consistently, blocking shots, playing great defense, switchable on all pick and rolls. Like he's just such a good player. Yeah. And AD, I think he was guarding Jimmy Butler down the stretch a couple times in the first two games. He has no problem with that whatsoever. He can switch on anybody. He's quick enough and long enough. I mean, that guy is a nightmare matchup for anybody when he's got the ball in his hands. He's just such a good player. Right. And they just put so much pressure on the opposition because LeBron and AD both just have no weaknesses to their game. Mm-hmm. They can exactly. both get to the rack. They can both guard pretty much all five positions. They can shoot from outside. I mean, it's just a nightmare tandem to try to defend or to go up against when they're on defense. For sure. And then I feel like we just have to mention it's you can't mention this too much. Like how incredible is the length of LeBron's prime? It's unreal how long he's been at the top of the game. I don't think there's ever been a, an athlete in the history of sports that I know of that has been at the top of their respective league for as long as LeBron has. It's unbelievable. It really is. His longevity and just the mileage he has on him. I mean, going to eight straight finals, playing in the Olympics too. Like he's just played so much basketball. Yeah. And the fact that he hasn't broken down yet is extremely impressive. And I'm just trying to appreciate it while it lasts because there could come a point where he just starts to fall off a cliff. Yeah. So yeah, uh, appreciate the greatness. He's played over three full NBA seasons worth of play playoff games in his career and then plus like you said he's gone to the last three olympics it's it's pretty wild pretty nuts but game three tonight absolute must win for the heat if they want to claw back in the series and then hopefully get bam out of bio and go on Dragic back for game four and try to make something of this but that'll about do it for nba talk you want to move on to nfl let's do it let's start off with our dallas cowboys who had a pretty crazy game today they're so stupid you already mentioned it earlier so here's the thing they lost to the browns they got smoked by the browns but the one kind of redeeming thing for me is that the Cowboys, you mentioned league pass rankings in past episodes. The Cowboys are undoubtedly the most exciting team to watch in the NFL. You can't deny it. Like they, they put up so many points and they give up a ton. It's just an absolute shootout. It reminds me of the Suns back in the day with Steve Nash, where they're going to win like 135 to 134 or lose like 130, 250. Like it's just going to be insanity points everywhere. Dak threw for 500 yards today and they didn't really come close to winning. Like that's, that's wild. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty insane. He ended up throwing for 502 and yeah, it felt like they kind of got blown out. I mean, they got up 14 to seven and then the Browns went on a 34 to nothing run. And then the Cowboys stormed back and made it 41 to 38 with like three minutes yeah. left. I mean, just an absolutely crazy game. The Browns rushed for 307 yards, yep. even without Nick Chubb going down early in the game. So Kareem Hunt had a couple tutties, but their leading rusher, 13 carries, 95 yards for a human by the name of Dearness Johnson. Dearness is a fantastic name. Yeah, put him on the all name team. So Dearness Johnson, 95 yards. The Cowboys, they just can't stop anything offensively. They look like a high school defense. So I don't know. I, I, it's just, it's a historically bad D for the Cowboys. I think it's funny that they have to play the Baltimore Ravens later, later this year. Yikes. Lamar, I think that if you told the Ravens offense, all 11 guys, that they would get a million dollar bonus for scoring 100 points against the Cowboys, they would easily do it. <laughs> How about the fact that so far the NFC East has two wins as a division? Yeah, they, they need to start playing each other so yes. that they can guarantee some W's. Yes, it's so bad. I think their combined point differentials like negative 120 between four teams. That's hard to do through four games, especially when you're in the same division and theoretically you should be playing one another. 
Right. So, I mean, the leader of that division right now, a quarter of the way through the season, is the Washington football team at one and three because they have one division win against the Eagles. The Eagles will be the division leader if they can beat the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday night football tonight, but they won't. So, yeah, they won't. They won't <laughs> so the, yeah, the NFC East is just terrible. It is bad. One thing that stuck out to me elsewhere in the NFL today was the really solid performance of a couple of rookie quarterbacks. We had Joe Burrow throw for over 300 yards for his third consecutive game and get his first NFL win we all expected Joe Burrow to be good so that's that's kind of par for the course I would say but Justin Herbert I feel like everyone has been really really impressed with that guy so far he looks really good I feel like as a Georgia fan that he's what we wanted Jacob Eason to be a few years ago and just never became just he's he feels like a guy who was born to play quarterback and to me, I think the most surprising thing is one, how under control he seems as a rookie, especially given the fact that he wasn't planning on playing maybe at all this year. And then secondly, he's way more mobile than I thought he would be. And despite not having a ton of guys to throw the ball to, especially after Austin Eckler went down today, like that's just a really, really solid performance from Justin Herbert. And I'm excited to see where he goes in the future. Yeah, he's a guy that, you know, he looks like a quarterback prototype. He's got all the tools. He's got the size. He's got the arm strength. You just weren't really sure because you didn't see, you know, this peak performance in college with him being an absolute stud at Oregon. And it was going to be kind of an adjustment period to the NFL for him. I think he had never taken a snap under from under center in college. Yeah, zero. So, zero snaps under center. So given the circumstances, the way that he got thrown into the fire after, you know, the whole conspiracy theory about the doctor uh, incorrectly yeah. injecting to Rod Taylor yes. so that Justin Herbert gets in there. Yeah, he's he's played really impressively. So uh, went toe-to-toe with the GOAT, Tom Brady today, came up a little bit short. Yeah, that was a fun game. That thing that bears mentioning is Tom Brady had a fantastic game today, threw for, I think, 369 yards and six touchdowns, if you include the one that he threw to the wrong team. Yeah. He, he, had, he had five touchdowns to his own team and had a really nice comeback win. The Bucks were my preseason pick to win the NFC South. And I'm feeling good about that right now. I feel like every week that I watch them, offensively in particular, they look sharper and sharper. I feel like they're really coming together with Brady meshing with those receivers. They didn't even have Chris Godwin today and still put up, what was it, 38 points or something like that? Like they had a they had a really, really good day. I think the Bucks versus the Saints for the rest of the season is going to be a really fun battle to watch. The Bucks are really fun. Yeah. Tom Brady threw five touchdowns to five different receivers today. So when they get Chris Godwin back, I mean, that just makes them that much better. Came back from a 24 to 7 deficit today to get that win against the Chargers. So Bucks, I'm going to continue to get better throughout the season. We'll see if they're a Super Bowl contender. I did see that OJ Howard went down with, I think, an Achilles injury and may be gone for the year. And if that's the case, then that would mean a big step up in role and particularly targets for Gronk. So that could be kind of fun to watch. Another quarterback performance that just made me happy today was Teddy Bridgewater. Seeing him run around, especially he had a really nice 18-yard touchdown run. That was cool given the fact that he battled that nasty knee injury for two years. Love seeing Teddy back. The Panthers are now 2-2 two and two, despite the fact that we all kind of just like wrote them off before the season as a complete joke. And they beat the Cardinals, who are considered a good team, although they've now lost two in a row. So kind of a funny two teams going in different directions right there. Yeah, so the the Christian McCaffreyless Panthers they beat the Cardinals thirty one twenty one today. So like you said, they're now two and two. They're not doing this whole tanking thing right. No, they're not. <laughs> Encouraging signs for the Matt Rule and Joe Brady era with the new coaching staff, but they might be regretting this come April. For real. And then thinking of teams who are tanking. I have no follow-up to this, but have you seen that the Jacksonville Jaguars are already on their fourth kicker of the season? No, I did not see <laughs> yes. that. Okay, so Josh Lambeau went down. Who else? They've had like Steven Hauschka, Josh Lambeau. Today they had, I think, 
something Rosas. I don't know. Oh, Aldrich Rosas, Aldrich Rosas. The, the lefty, I think, that used to play for the Giants. I don't freaking know. But yeah, they're going through. How do you go through four kickers in four weeks? And it's not been because of performance. It's been because of injury. What are they doing to their kickers? <laughs> I'm not sure. But yeah, keep an eye on that. I mean, huge storyline in the NFL is the Jacksonville Jaguars kicker carousel. <laughs> yeah, I just figured I'd mention that for comedy purposes. But as far as relevance is concerned, let's, let's not talk about that anymore. <laughs> all right. Well, that's about all I have for the one o'clock slate. Is there anything you want to talk about from the four o'clock games, Lando? The only thing I want to mention is that on our love it or fade it from this past week, I went with the triple fade. All three underdogs ended up losing by half a point. The Giants lost to the Rams 17-9 and they covered. The Washington football team let me down by losing by 14 after being 13 and a half point underdogs. Dolphins hung in there today, so almost hit the triple fade. Got to try it again sometime soon. Yeah, the triple fade is a bold call. I like that you went for it, but yeah, that, that's a tough one. I'm sorry that they let you down. But it's all the, uh, I, what was my prediction for the Ravens and the football team? I think I said 52 to 12, so didn't quite get there, but I'm, <laughs> no. I'm glad my Ravens covered. They did. All right, let's talk about a little bit of college football, starting with our Georgia Bulldogs, which got in the dogs. Well, that was pretty impressive. If you are an Auburn fan, I advise you to turn this off now. <laughs> for real, though. Um, yeah, the dogs came out hot after a very lackluster week one against Arkansas. The dogs were very impressive on both sides of the ball against Auburn at home. They held Auburn to 39 rushing yards on 22 carries. I mean, just complete lockdown from that defense. Stetson Bennett, in his first start as a Georgia Bulldog, played extremely well. Is he a Heisman candidate? He's a Heisman favorite. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, what was it? Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Stetson Bennett? Is anyone else even up there? No, it was funny because I was at a wedding and I was kind of seeing the game off to the side at times, but I couldn't pay like full attention to it. And then in the span of like 10 minutes, I got four, like four different texts that said Stetson, Stetson for Heisman. I was like, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, Steady's nice, dude. He's pretty sick. Yeah. One thing that I really loved as a dogs fan is that our defense is always really, really good, but I feel like we're always a little bit behind on our ability to rush the passer. And we did a fantastic job of that this game. I feel like Bo Nix is running for his life the entire time. Defense looked great. We ran the ball much, much better than we did against Arkansas. Stetson Bennett played perfectly well. If he can play like that all year, I think the dogs are in pretty good shape. Still got a really tough run ahead of us, especially the next two weeks with Tennessee and Alabama. We're going to see how we make it through that little gauntlet of Auburn, Tennessee, Bama. But I'm much more encouraged by the dogs right now than I was a week ago. Definitely an encouraging effort in that 27 to 6 win against Auburn. We knew that the defense was going to be incredible. I mean, they were so good last year. They didn't lose a ton, brought a lot of talent back. So we knew the defense would be good. The question mark was on offense. So Stetson has stepped up. And then another big development is George Pickens is the number one receiver with Dominic Blaylock, the number two receiver, going down with a torn ACL again. They needed someone to step up opposite Pickens and Kiaris Jackson, six catches for 62 yards week one. And then against Auburn, nine catches for 140. 47 yards he looks great so good signs for the dogs yeah he looks really good because pickens is going to command some double teams and safety help all year so having another guy on the opposite side is a massive massive deal like you're talking about looking forward to seeing how we do next week go dogs big win but yeah they they got the tide in two weeks so we're going to figure out a lot more about georgia in uh in tuscaloosa but while we're at it number two alabama they rolled they beat texas a&m 52 to 24 anything particular you see from this game not really just utter dominance they're just so so good as always mac jones is playing really well i think that was kind of their maybe their biggest question mark coming into the year we knew he was going to be not bad but we weren't sure how good he was going to be but with those three guys i guess to throw to now that he's got 
old John Mechie the third. That's just a tough team as always. I don't know much about Mechie. Is he was he a five star? I have no idea. I don't know anything about him either. He kind of came out of nowhere for me. Yeah, it's just funny because everyone knows Jalen Waddle and Devonte Smith. They're both going to be first round picks. So of course you got a key on those guys when you're on defense. And then John Mechie the third comes out and has 180 yards and a couple touchdowns. It's just like they're just ridiculous the way that they produce talent. They are. I'm looking up your boy right now. So he was not that big of a recruit. He was a four star. He was ranked 275th in the country coming out of high school by 24-7. So he's from New Jersey. So one of those recruits that they do, I mean, there's pull recruits from all across the country. But yeah, apparently he's pretty good. All right. Fair enough. We'll keep an eye on that guy. Um, they've got the dogs in two weeks in Tuscaloosa. Huge top five matchup. But um, let's also talk about a couple big upsets from the weekend. One that I feel like was pretty predictable. Dad, if you're listening, turn this off now. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Number nine, Texas went down to unranked TCU. I mean, Texas had kind of an emotional letdown after a huge, miraculous comeback win against Texas Tech in overtime last week. Came out flat, lost to TCU. I just don't know what they're doing. They seem to always somehow brandish this hope in the offseason. Every offseason, it's like, okay, this is the year. Texas is back. And they're never back. And not only that, we talked about it earlier. They're the most frustrating team to watch ever. I just don't understand at any point in time what their ideas are. Like, what are they trying to do in this game? They just are sloppy. They have all kinds of penalties. They just they don't look good ever and it's been that way for years and I think you have to at least talk about it like when is Tom Herman's time to start considering moving on to the next guy right and you can never trust Twitter because Twitter is just a ridiculous place but there was some stuff out there about the rumblings of fire Herman already so if they have another loss to an unranked team I mean that that's going to start happening more and more and then some other upsets number 16 Mississippi State one week after beating the defending national champion LSU Tigers they lost to Arkansas Well, the big story here is Arkansas getting their first SEC win in, what, three years? Yeah, I think November 2017, I saw, was their last SEC win. So good for Sam Pittman. Good for you, Arkansas. Proud of you guys. Yep, and then number 18, Oklahoma. Second week in a row, they get upset. They lost to Iowa State. So it's going to be nice to get a break from Oklahoma in the playoff for a year. I'm looking forward to not seeing them get killed. For sure. Isn't the Big 12 essentially eliminated from the playoff now? Yeah, I think so. I mean... Well, how does it work? Like, I think the last place team in the NFC East this year is going to get relegated to the Big 12. So will they be in contention <laughs> for the college football playoff? Maybe so. Maybe the Cowboys could beat somebody or they could score on somebody in the college football playoff. They would still give up 63. Yeah. If they got matched up with like Ohio State, that could be like a 63 to 56 game. Could be, be interesting. Could be a shootout. All right. Now let's move on to Major League Baseball. The divisional series start this week. I think the AL kickoff on Monday and the National League on Tuesday. And this kind of one year new 16 team playoff format has produced a crazy eight team result Mm -hmm. all four series are intra division you've got the nl east marlins versus braves nl west dodgers versus padres al east yankees versus rays and al west astros versus a's so basically they just told the two central divisions screw you guys go home yeah that was my biggest takeaway is the middle of the country sucks at baseball i guess so what are they doing but yeah i'm really excited for these interdivision matchups i think it brings about some kind of really cool things first of all i love this yankees versus rays battle because i feel like it's something that we've been kind of looking forward to in a way all year they duked it out in the regular season and now getting to see this is going to be a lot of fun especially starting with game one on monday night at eight o'clock you got garrett cole versus former cy young blake snell that's an awesome matchup and then the other side in the west in the american league the astros versus the a's 
I feel like in the second round is when the the hate's got to get turned up. We've got to go hardcore against the cheating Astros. Let's go Oakland A's and Oakland Mats, including you, Matt Chapman, on the sidelines. We need you here. Yeah, this is going to be two awesome series in the American League because I feel like these teams just genuinely hate each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Yankees and Rays just clearly have beef, and so do the Astros and A's, especially because now that everyone hates the Astros. So I'm really looking forward to this series, see if people get a couple pitches thrown at them, maybe maybe clear the dugouts, have a brawl or two. Yeah, there's no brawling <laughs> in playoff baseball. They just can't afford suspensions. But just think back earlier this year when Ramon Laureano charged the Astros dugout. Like, that wasn't that long ago. Like you're saying, they don't like each other. And I love when there's actual rivalries in sports these days. There's so few of them because players are so buddy-buddy with each other. I just thoroughly enjoy it when two teams legitimately don't like each other. Exactly. So those series are going to be intense. I'm really looking forward to those. And then on the other side, you look at the NL, and this is going to be kind of a budding rivalry, I think, between the Dodgers and Padres. And what I think is cool about it is the Dodgers have some you know, seasoned veterans like Clayton Kershaw, Justin Turner, who are just traditional baseball guys, right? And then the Padres are just this cool, young, fun team that are the antithesis of the Dodgers, kind of. Like, it's Fernando Tatis, long hair, swaggy, throwing his bat to the moon when he hits a home run, and then Manny Machado, like, he's kind of the same way. So, I don't know. I feel like it's just two very different styles, different personalities of these teams, and I'm really looking forward to Dodgers-Padres. Yeah, I got a couple things on this one. So, one, I love that you brought that up because I was talking to Dad the other day on the phone, and he's like, yeah, I watched the Padres the other night and all they need is some mustard implying that they're hot dogs. And that's just like, that's the first thing I thought of is that old white men will hate the Padres because they're, they're so set in their ways and they just can't take it. They think a bat flip is like they should be thrown in prison for it. Just like old people are weird. But we at least need to mention what Clayton Kershaw did in the first round because we haven't talked about that yet. He got off of his playoff schneid. He went like eight innings, 13 strikeouts, zero runs. And he did all of that in 93 pitches, which was by far the best performance of his playoff career. So that's pretty cool. The biggest thing that I'm looking out for in this series with the fact that the Dodgers are so loaded and to have any chance the Padres need to be as close to full strength as possible is I'm really really interested to see whether they have their top two starting pitchers on the roster active for the series. They didn't have either one of them. That's Mike Clevenger and Denilson Lamette in the first round. Depending on whether or not those two guys can go will make a huge impact as far as whether they can be competitive in this series. Yes, it will. Denilson Lamette, that's my guy. Mike Clevenger, he's kind of their ace mm-hmm. coming over from the Indians at the trade deadline. So yeah, that that's going to be a big storyline in this series to match up with that one-two punch for the Dodgers with Bueller and Kershaw. So keep an eye on that. I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of pulling for the Padres here just because I feel like they're a little bit more beatable if they get matched up in the NLCS with our Atlanta Braves. Yeah, as long as the Braves are in, I'm rooting for the Padres. Right. And so let's talk about Braves Marlin. So of these four series, the heaviest favorite is the Braves, which feels a little bit surprising just with the way that the Braves pitching is kind of hurt. But the fact that they're playing the makeshift Marlins, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, it's crazy. I just love the fact that our our huge question about the Braves all year and especially entering the playoffs was starting pitching. And then we went into the first round of the playoffs and through 22 scoreless innings, the Reds couldn't even get close to scoring on us. It was awesome. And the cool thing about this is the way that it all shook out as far as the Braves winning in two and then that game getting delayed for the other series with the Cubs and Marlins is that we don't start till next Tuesday and so we get to go back to our number one and two pitchers again with Max Fried starting game one and Ian Anderson starting game two let's just do it again let's do it again yeah those guys just absolutely killed it against the Reds hopefully they can stay hot and some young pitchers for the Marlins too good matchups with Sandy Alcantara and Sixto Sanchez Sixto's a beast 
Yeah, it's a sick name. It's I mean, a great I'm name. happy for the guy. Yeah, I love it. So really looking forward to the second round of the uh, MLB playoffs starting tomorrow. We've got the American League on Monday, and then we've got all four series in action on Tuesday. We're just going to ride it out. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait. Let's go, Braves. Come on, Braves. All right, that's going to be it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening once again. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to our podcast on Apple and Spotify. Leave us some ratings and reviews. Tune into the next one. Love y'all. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Oh.